and welcome to episode 16 of the Courageous Mama podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I love this parenting journey and it's such a privilege to share it with you. There are some parts of parenting that are rewarding, aren't they? They're fun and we treasure those moments. But there are some parts that are tough and uphill. And they're often the parts that people don't see and therefore aren't as aware of. And sometimes parents can feel that they're the only ones going through it. And one of the great difficulties that parents face today is when their child struggles with anxiety. It's a growing concern among young people and we've never before seen the numbers of children seeking counselling as we're seeing today. Government statistics and Childline report the rising concern of anxiety disorders. But some of us who are at the front line of parental concerns don't need to see the statistics to know that there's a growing issue. Today, I'm going to introduce you to a good friend of mine, Caroline Kelly. She's a counsellor to teenagers. And she and I have worked together over the past few years, presenting to parents at schools across the mid-counties in London. We've been talking about how to help your children navigate their way through social media and all the difficulties and distractions and uncertainties that it can bring. Our talk was popular because there were many organisations offering to come in and scare the living daylights out of parents with the stats, the content and the stories of the dark side of social media. And without a doubt, they do exist. But parents know that. What they were keen to hear about is how do we parent our way through it? How do I support my child through it? So Caroline and I were a great team. Her experience as a counsellor and mine as a parental supporter sent people home feeling empowered and enriched rather than crushed and despairing. And on the home front, I see parents on an individual basis, one-to-one or two-to-one, and Caroline works with teenagers and children. So sometimes we work separately but in tandem with one family. As a single mum and counsellor, Caroline's really had her work cut out for her over this lockdown season and I really admire the way she's worked her way through it. Today I've asked her what she tries to achieve in the counselling room when a client presents with anxiety and whether she's concerned about the growing number of young people struggling with anxiety. I am, but I think I've been seeing that over the last few years. Um, if I'm honest, sort of evidence tells me just from you know the young people that I see and just sort of do my own statistics that I would say sort of 75% of the young people I see present with anxiety. So yeah, I'm definitely seeing an increasing anxiety, and you know I get asked the question a lot: Why do you think young people or more people are struggling with with anxiety than they used to? And I just think our mind has not evolved to live in this this world we live in. There's just so much going on, so much to worry about, so much to think about that the brain almost can't can't deal with it so I think that's why for me personally that's why I feel that anxiety is is definitely sort of on the increase just can't well cope. even the amount of information that we get in a day <clears throat> when you consider that we get as much information in a day now as you would have got in a year mm. 100 years ago yeah that's a phenomenal difference and mm. the other thing I notice also is that we mix with an awful lot more social groups there would have mm. been a time sort of let's say you go back 100 years the people in your village were the people who you would see at school mm-hmm. and the school gates they yeah. would be the people in your church and they would be your friendship groups now we're tapped into so many different social groups because mm. our reach is so much greater that must alone cause children anxiety mm. yeah for sure yeah i mean 
going back to sort of the idea about evolution as well it's sort of you know back then we worried about being alive so or staying alive so we would have to hunt for food and we had our <laughs> that's honey had, the dog shaking <laughs> yeah, she is. and we were sort of tribes and we kind of needed our people to kind of survive as well and you all had your sort of job to do within that tribe so you kind of worked very closely together you know in that way it's the sort of same kind of idea um yeah so I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on that but just that sort of um you know sort of fast forward you know to where we are today and I said you know back then it was sort of looking for the dangers and um you know our mind would be programmed to think quite negatively in that it would be looking for the danger the danger which is the wild animals and staying alive but now you know our, our mind is still um you know programmed that way that we're still looking for the dangers but we've got so many other things to worry about there are so many balls to keep in the air, <laughs> yeah, aren't there? Yeah. So I don't know if I would go right back to evolution, but I think even if you go back 50 years, mm. the amount of different balls we're expected to keep in the air mm. is phenomenal. Yeah. So as you say, our brains can't be wired in all those different directions no, at once. So when you talk about that sort of anxiety and the that's the fight or flight you're talking yeah, about, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And within the counselling environment, say, one of the fundamental parts of, of the counselling is what I will call the psychoeducation, so educating us about the sort of psychological response that we have, our body has to these worries. And that's a really big, you know, fundamental part of counselling because until you can understand why the body's responding in this way, you can't then start to go ahead and sort of think about how you challenge it or might, you know, work with your anxiety as opposed to trying to fight it. So tell me so, about that. Tell me about the what do you call it? Psychoeducation. Psycho-educa- Tell me <laughs> yeah. about the psychoeducation. Well, well, so a young person will come in and they'll sort of start talking about their anxiety and, you know, so, okay, well, what does anxiety look like for you? And, and, and actually what they then say about what the anxiety looks like for them is actually how it makes them feel. And they'll say, I just want you to get rid of it. I just want you to make it go away. Mm. So we can't make anxiety go away. It's, it's not possible to make it go away because we need to feel anxious because as I said it's that you know we've been evolved to be this way it's that so the fight flight is about and it's a warning signal isn't completely it? and it's about how the brain perceives a threat if there's a real danger um what will happen is the brain tells the body that there's a danger and what it then does is it powers up the body to get it ready to either fight the danger or run away from the danger so in doing that it sets off all of these stress hormones around the body to basically pump you up full of full of muscles and energy to fight the danger mm, literally sends blood to your muscles yeah. doesn't it more air to your lungs yeah. yep what anxiety is is actually the brain is perceived a threat that's not really dangerous so for example you're going for a job interview your mind is saying it's scary it's frightening the same feelings happen to your body so you get the heart racing and you start to your tummy is starting to go over um you know that sort of panicky feeling that you feel so that's really what we're talking about here we're talking about that's what it looks like to them it's that sort of those those feelings and that's the part they want me to get rid of and they're always very upset and disappointed when I tell them I don't have magic wand and I really can't make it go away so what I'm really trying to get get across to them is actually what we need to be doing is having a really healthy relationship with our our thoughts yes so You know, we, we and we need to be, to befriend this anxiety that we that we not run away from it because if we try and run away from it, we're not going to get very far. We've got to really face it. So, 
the sort of CBT part of it is about saying, okay, what is the thought? You know, what thought is going on in your mind here? And helping them see that it's the thought that's making them feel that way. And then that feeling then makes them behave in a certain way as well. So that's the first thing we're sort of looking at. So that's kind of all of the psychoeducation around mm-hmm. it. It's like how those thoughts make you feel and why it's happening. And once they've kind of bought into this, they, you know, they're seeing it that, that way. The next thing that we then sort of move on to is about okay how how do we deal with this anxiety and then again they don't like to hear it but it's about exposure exposure to the anxiety right leaning into it mm. rather than running away absolutely yeah you know I, I say you know anxiety is a bully and you've got to mm. treat it like a bully and we have to befriend it and nurture it and and find a way to work with it rather than than fight against it when you say nurture it that's interesting because I don't know if I befriend or nurture a bully mm. but I might try to teach myself how to rise to mm. a bully is yeah. that the same sort of language yeah mm. yeah yeah for sure so what sort of experiences would you get them to lean into that they wouldn't want to for example again with anxiety we're breaking it down to what the anxiety is so there's general anxiety or social anxiety have different types of anxieties mm. so first you want to really understand what is driving the anxiety where, where is it coming from and then in doing that another piece of the work that we do in the in the therapy is identifying what the consequences are of avoiding the anxiety yeah, so for example yeah. if someone is a bit socially awkward you know find social anxiety difficult so social anxiety to them might be um, going to a party and you know already their minds going well, what if I don't know anybody what if I get there and nobody talks to me so already they're creating these thoughts that are then creating the anxiety so what are the consequences of not going to the party you know what's you know what are you missing out on so it's kind of identifying those those consequences is really important because until they can see that actually i'm letting the anxiety you know be the bully which stopped me going to the party mm-hmm. and now i'm missing out on all these opportunities it's really breaking it down into helping them see the consequences of actually avoiding anxiety really if you sum it up is about fear yep. and it's about loss of control yes you know, so if you if you're going to that party, you feel out of control. So that's really what drives anxiety is those thoughts about being out of control. And you know, you know, this is the part that I suppose you know you're interested in about the boundaries around um, that parents put in place for their children because those boundaries and those those guidelines are really important because it helps children feel safe for parents if they don't have boundaries in place for their children. Yeah, it can start to make them feel anxious because they don't know. We, they don't know where they are or where they're at yep. or where they're going so that's why boundaries are What's really right important yeah because then you know where you you know as you know they push against the boundaries yeah. because they, they, because they're, they're, they're young people and that's what they do yeah. but that's they need the boundaries to keep them feeling yes. safe that's yes. what's important so if they feel safe and secure then it creates less anxiety mm. so yeah but then as you say if you avoid everything that doesn't make you feel safe and secure mm. secure the bully wins yeah and you don't actually get to grow experience new things Mm -hmm. so I suppose you're hand-holding a child or a teenager from I cannot do it to I'm going to give it a whirl Mm. I'm going to understand that I'm going to survive these feelings Mm. but that's just that's sort of what they present on the surface Mm. isn't it but then presumably sometimes there are things working at a much sort of deeper level Mm. maybe a an experience that goes back let's say for us to childhood Mm -hmm. or a core belief that you've picked up and then are you tackling it on a whole different level yeah and it is all part of it though because if their core belief is I'm not good enough 
I, you know, I'm, I'm a failure. You know, we we want to understand where that core belief has come from because they, they are good enough and they, they're not a failure because there'll be plenty of evidence, you know, that will tell them that is not true. So, yeah, we want to understand where those core beliefs have come from. I'm just thinking about it in, in sort of how I use it in the counselling room and I bring different types of practices. So CBT is one way of managing anxiety, so that's cognitive behavioural therapy, which we look at sort of challenging negative thinking. I also bring in acceptance and commitment therapy. Pure CBT therapist, the pure ACT therapist would say the two can't go together. Whereas I disagree, they actually work together really well. What I do is I look at these thoughts. So we we know, because we've done our psychoeducation, that it's all the thoughts that are driving the anxiety and the feelings. So surely it's a thought we've got to kind of work with and understand and how you know where they come from and how we work with them. So if we're then saying we need to have a better relationship with these thoughts, so we would sort of look at these thoughts and say, okay, we have our what if thoughts. You know, what if I mess up? What if I get it wrong? What if nobody? What if I go to school and no one talks to me? Those all are very much our what if thoughts. And then we have our what I say our, our negative thoughts, which are I'm not good enough. I'll mess up. Those kind of thoughts. And I think we can challenge those because those are, that's a sort of more CBT approach in that we look at a thought and we know our mind will think negatively and we challenge the negative thinking and we start to train our mind more to think more positively. Sometimes I get it wrong, but most of the time I get it right. And when I do get it wrong, I'm learning from this. So that, that kind mm. of self-talk, whereas the what-if thoughts are more of a acceptance commitment therapy approach because... The approach there is that we just, we can't stop our thoughts coming in, so we have to separate ourselves from them. And I think that's okay if they're what-if thoughts, because the what-ifs might never happen. So we, it's okay to step back from those thoughts a little bit and then say, well, okay, if the what-if did happen, how are you going to manage it? What are you going to do? So it's kind of, I'll worry about my what-if what when it happens. So that's an, an act approach where you're sort of just diffusing yourself and stepping away from them and almost like letting them wash over you. That's the kind of idea behind acceptance commitment therapy. But we commit to challenging and changing what we can do something about. There are different approaches to how we have this better relationship with our thoughts. And one of them, if I was to divide up what I've just heard, one of them's about what comes our way. Mm-hmm. And the other one is about who we are. Mm. Yeah. So the shame stuff, yeah. the I am not good enough, yeah. I am not enough yeah. stuff. And yeah. you would tackle that with with, with more CBT, CBT and understanding those core beliefs and you know and recognizing that you know that this is a negative thought and we're over exaggerating or catastrophizing mm. and with these thinking patterns that we, we develop and training our mind to think in a different way. And then with the ACT, it's more what might come my way. Mm. And how am I going to actually embrace that, tackle it, and get past it and grow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah. And also, I think, you know, even myself, I would think, you know, why am I worried about the future that doesn't exist yet? It's just it's just something in our imagination. But what we can do or change is, is the now. Mm. So the more we can be present, the more we can be in the now moment, mm. the healthier relationship we have with our mind. And that's very much an ACT approach. It's all about that mindfulness, being in the moment, being in the now. I can understand why people think about the future. Mm. I mean, I think I'm quite a future and past orientated <laughs> person, whereas my husband's very good at being in the present. Mm-hmm. And he has to challenge me out of tomorrow yeah. and into mm. today, and I have to challenge him to look at tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But one way or another, the reality is it helps us, doesn't it, to think forward, okay, what's that scenario going to look and feel like? What strategies could I have? Yeah. What words might I have? Mm. 
at the ready yeah. for when that might happen. Yeah. And going back to what you said earlier, we can do that for one or two scenarios. Mm. But if we're doing it for 10 different social groups, 10 mm. different clubs that we're a part mm. of, 50 different yeah. apps that are on our phone, mm. we cannot be prepared yeah. for everything that's going to happen no, tomorrow. No, we can't. Parents play an important role as well with helping young people manage their anxiety too because, you know, and I'm guilty of this myself, you know, children say, oh, you know, going to the party oh you'll be fine you'll be fine don't oh, worry about it yes you no know, oh, on, on you go on you'll be <laughs> yeah on you go you'll be fine don't worry about it um, yes that's been a great place for me definitely yeah. and we do and we have to challenge it because sometimes you get irritated by this sort of oh but you know what if i don't know anybody and if actually no we can't we what we have to you know what we can't do is say you'll be fine yeah because actually it's not helpful because what if they're what if is um what if i don't have anyone to play with at lunchtime and you say oh, you'll be fine yeah that's a real worry for that child and yeah. that that's creating some anxiety in those feelings in them that they are looking then to avoid so that could eventually lead to not wanting to go to school so you know that's the last thing we want so in the moment we have to be realistic and they might not have any friends to play with at lunchtime so saying you'll be fine and then them going to school and not having any friends mm. is you know you're the one that's got to empower them you're mm. the one that's got to have that energy and to help them on their way so instead it's thinking about okay so what if they didn't have any friends to play with it and get your young ones your children to come up with their ideas and so it's about problem solving with them giving them the tools that they need to manage these what ifs if they do happen absolutely because mm. if you say they'll be fine you're not putting any tools in their mm. armory yeah. and the other thing you're doing is you're teaching them not to tell you their issues mm. because they know you're going to minimize yeah. them you're going to say it's fine yeah. and you're basically saying you're not allowed to have that yeah. feeling yeah. and usually because we as a parent can't cope with that right no. now no, no. and actually meeting it head on and empathizing yeah. is a way of saying that's a really valid feeling yeah. mm-hmm. and in the end they will be fine in that there'll be food and water on the table mm-hmm. in the evening but they might not be emotionally fine mm. completely and it is again you've brought about another I haven't mentioned is about normalizing anxiety how important it is to normalize anxiety mm. because you don't want them to think there's something wrong with them you know we all get anxious at times about something it, it's completely normal to have these feelings of anxiety and it's a real feeling it's a real thing mm. they have and I share something actually with um with my daughter so she went back to school a few weeks ago and obviously hasn't been in for, for a little while and yeah, the night before had the sort of oh mummy but what if I get there and don't know what teacher's going to be there and you know what if it's the mean teacher and what if there's no other year sixes there and all of these sort of worries that she had so I like to sometimes turn worry into wonder so I used this with my, my daughter so she said you know she was worried about the the mean teacher being there and I said what do you know about this teacher nothing she's just mean so we, we kind of talked about you know well, it's an opportunity you've got an opportunity here to have a bit of time with this teacher get to know a bit about your teacher whether she has her own children are they pets what her interests are and you know sort of think of it as an opportunity rather than a worry and then the other worry about not having any friends to play with and we started talking about the reception children and the year one children and I think how it must be for them you know they're only four or five and Mm. this is an opportunity for you to step up and and support them make some new friends and actually she was fine we drive up to school and who's there her favorite teacher and one of her friends that she hasn't seen for 
uh, however many weeks it's been now and you know and it was a great conversation afterward at the end of the day to sort of talk about all those worries that she had and they were all what ifs that never actually so and yeah they felt so, big to her and yeah. when you did the wonder thing mm. did that help her did yeah, she feel yeah. more empowered definitely and it is about empowerment isn't it because mm. you you know i'm sure we could sit here and talk about it you know loads of scenarios where you can turn worry into wonder because mm. mm. it's a really good approach i think so and going back to what you said earlier about normalizing anxiety mm. do you think that we're overusing the word do you think it's something that people want to be card carrying so that they can opt out of things if they are card carrying and trying to opt out of things i would be questioning why where, where is this coming from I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not minimising mm. anxiety at all. Mm. I don't suffer from it per se, but I know what it feels like and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But I wonder whether we've almost given children permission to wear it heavily mm. rather than to, as you would say, meet yeah. it head on, yeah. tackle it and grow. Mm. And is there a culture at the moment of sort of labelling rather mm. than empowering? Mm. Possibly, yeah, but, you know, and the empowerment's the word, isn't it? We've, we've got to, I think, empower them to face it mm. head on. And one of the things I want to ask you is, there are some children who will show their anxiety and mm. they'll even come and say, I'm really worried about this, mm. but there are other children who won't and mm. they can just seep out in their behaviour. What yeah. would you say to a parent to look out, to look out for? for? Things like clingy, clingy behaviours and strops. And if you think about anxiety is trying to regain control. Yeah, yeah. So what you might see is, you know, like the morning routine, they're trying to disrupt the morning routine in some way because actually they're avoiding leaving the house or, you know, so yeah, I think that's sort of um, the clingy behaviours, strops, tantrums, tears. Um, yeah. And just that they're trying to control the situation so they can avoid so those anything feelings. That yes. Yeah. So they're trying to avoid the they know the feeling that it comes with anxiety so they're just trying to avoid avoid it happening so that's why I would be and looking so if out for. And so parent sees that and they realise right that that's not their normal state yeah what would you suggest they do about that? Mm -hmm. It's about tackling it isn't it because as a parent parents we our natural instinct is probably to rescue and to make it all okay for them mm. and if we're not strong enough and brave enough as parents to tackle it, then we're also then buying into it as well, aren't we, by helping them avoid it. So we, because it's, it's, it's awful to see, you know, just saying about my own daughter, it's, it's not nice to see them upset and, no. and worried. So we might buy into that avoidance behaviour as well, and we can't, we just can't do that. But but with the empowering words, the encouragement, yeah, yeah, and yeah. perhaps tackling what's... Yeah. And also being, yeah, and being, and using those words of... You know, I know this is really difficult for you. Mm. you know, I know how hard this is, but you can do this. Right. You can do this. And, you know, not it'll be okay, but you can do this. And it's, so it's really, you know, pumping them up almost, but with your own energy, I think, to, to not say it's okay, but they can feel that they're going to... When they leave you, they can feel that they're going to be okay. I sometimes talk about, to try and explain it to young people about, exposure because again as I said it's that that if you say to me yeah, something now I'm going to push you towards this horrible feeling I'm going to expose <laughs> no you thanks. to it you know they, I might never see them again but I explain it that as I said earlier it's about how the brain perceives threats so you don't necessarily have to be in a dangerous situation to feel it you might just see pictures or hear words or because um, the brain is just perceived as danger so it's, it's then set off the fight flight response so if you imagine um watching a really scary movie 
and you know how when the sort of the jump scares coming you know you can start to feel you know the stress hormones the, the heart start to pump and, and what do you do you start sort of dipping into your popcorn or you hide under your pillow or whatever and in counseling we'd call that safety behaviors we've adopted a safety behavior to avoid that feeling of the jump scare coming when we're looking at a child that's anxious we want to understand what their safety behaviors are what safety behaviors they've adopted to manage their anxiety because actually in adopting safety behaviors and managing their anxiety they're not really dealing with the anxiety they're not facing it they're avoiding it in some way with their safety behavior right so then we would say so then you imagine if you kept watching the same movie over and over and over again without your safety behaviors your mind would then learn that actually this isn't a real threat and your body would start to not respond in the same way you might still get a little bit but you're not going to have that initial feeling so you become immune to it yeah so it's explaining in that way that actually that's how you that's what anxiety is like you know your brain's perceived a danger perceived a threat by words images the way your mind's talking to you so we need to understand your safety behaviors not adopt those safety behaviors and expose yourself to the anxious situation will most of your clients allow you to press them towards what's making them anxious if if we've done the work in the beginning, mm. I think if we've done enough work around, they've bought into this, they've now bought into this idea that they that what anxiety is, how the mind is making it happen, the thoughts are making it happen, and they can see the consequences of the stuff they're avoiding. Then yeah, the work is in the beginning stages. You know, until I've really got them into that mindset. But we, we don't really move on from there because actually if they're not going to expose themselves and they don't want to change then it's not going to happen they've got to want to change so once they can see that those consequences of you know be like if you say someone going for a job interview you're not going to go to the interview because you can't bear the feeling of of how anxious you feel you know your heart's going and you're swallowing and you're never going to move forward in life with your yeah. job or you know so you've really yeah. got to tackle it and is yeah. that a tricky moment for you in the counselling room when they've come because they think that maybe you're going to be able to take all those horrible feelings mm. and throw them out the window and actually they find that they are their own rescue package. They're going to have to yeah. press in and lean it forward. Can, they don't like run yeah, out the door. It can, it can be, but I, I like to think that I really do empower them. Yeah, I, 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 I bet you do. You know, I just, <laughs> I there, I believe in it so much that actually by having that relationship with them and really empowering them mm. and, you know, really firing them up, they can do this. And we just do baby steps as well. We call it graded exposure. We don't just suddenly expose them to their most feared situation. We do it gradually. Mm. So we set them up with little things so they get used to it. And actually, that was okay. And we don't want them to fail. We want them to do well. So we so don't. Build them up. We build them up. And we have to push them towards whatever it is that they are worried about, however difficult that is. And I've been there, so I know how hard it is. Mm. One of my children had a difficult day at school. He was probably about seven at the time. And he came home from school very upset. Something had happened at school and we sort of talked about what happened and thought everything was fine. And the next morning, yeah, it was it was awful because he was just literally begging me not to go to school. Mm, that's hard. And it was really hard. And actually this was you know, going this seven years ago and that's probably in the very early days of sort of when I was sort of counselling, so maybe didn't have the skills that I have now. Um, but even so, in that moment, you know, your instinct is just to 
just okay have, have the day off school you know just let's just have a day at home on the sofa cuddled up and but you know that if you don't submit it to school then there's the next day and then the next day and the next and the problem still is still there I had to get the school to help me in the end to intervene to get him into school and how did you do that just by communicating with the school just talked about what happened and you know the importance of really getting him back into school that day we did eventually get him into school and actually he had a, you know an okay day of course it wasn't as bad as he thought it was going to be as a parent that was that was a that was a t- that was a tough hard, time to face you know your um protective parent is yes. is just wanting them to you know, to keep them safe and protect them and, and would you them. say that helped him to rise to it the next time i do and, and i look at him now as a younger adult and actually he's very confident he's very good in social situations he's very confident in going into new situations but yeah i don't i don't really see him having any sort of big worries or anxieties mm-hmm. it's so you look back and you're, you're pleased you took that approach I am, yeah, mm. but it, I, I'm, I can't say it was, it was no. easy. But you practice yeah. what you preach. Yes, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I hope before so. Before you started preaching. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yes. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> we try, try. And then, of course, you should be able to tackle your core beliefs mm-hmm. and you should be able to perhaps perceive what's coming your way and mm-hmm. act, as you say, differently. But mm-hmm. then you might have massive trauma in the mix. Mm-hmm. You might have mm-hmm. a child that's been abused or experienced difficult mm. traumatic experiences in the family mm. is the approach the same or have you got to take a different no time? I think you have to take a different approach and because going back to what I was saying earlier about sort of you know if, as a parent you can't buy into this you know them trying to avoid the situation well actually if there is a real problem I suppose it's a different type of therapy then because if there is a trauma you need to be dealing with the trauma before you can move on so yeah that takes a a different a different approach to therapy that's a much more gentle approach I would say and presumably some of your clients don't present with trauma Mm. and as you journey with them you work out actually there's more in the mix Mm. here can you detect that along the way therapy is always about the relationship and if you have a good relationship and you have young people that start to open up or clients that open up to you then you will figure it out together that low level mild anxiety approach is sort of what we've been talking about Mm. whereas if there's more trauma or you know other other underlying things that it's different when I first meet a client we always do an assessment you know I'm not there to tell them what to do we've got to work at it together so it's a very much a collaborative approach and at the end of the assessment I want to be in a place where we've kind of decided together what the right approach Mm. is and the right approach might not be dealing with the anxiety right now it might be looking at their past their childhood something that happened to them and working through you know if they've had a loss you know we would be looking at bereavement at the loss you know sometimes for example I might be sat with a young person and their parents may have divorced and it might have been an awful divorce that they've not dealt with Mm. and we need to be looking at that first in that moment they're looking at the loss of their family and in that time we're processing loss and we're working through that loss to get to a point where they've got some kind of peace around it then we might be looking at anxiety and different things it's it's, it can get quite complex to be honest but that's that's (laughs) why you're professionals it can it can be but just sort of you know for thinking about we're talking about today you know I think it's really important for children to understand what anxiety is I I remember as a as a child having those feelings but no one ever told me that 
you know this is you're just anxious is quite normal you know I, th- I might have felt I was a bit odd or weird or because I'm having these feelings that no one's talking about yeah. but actually now I realize no that it's completely normal and you wrote a course last year didn't you which was more preventative than reactive so yeah and that was that was great and I did a great experiment actually in the so that uh, 15 people sitting there we know that the subject was about anxiety and I said right so in a moment I'm going to ask one of you to come and stand up next to me and tell everybody in this room what anxiety is and of course what do you get all the safety behaviors <laughs> looking down at the floor <laughs> rustling in their bag you know because yes. they don't want me to to pick on yeah. them and what a great opportunity that was to talk about the feelings of anxiety yes. and why it happens and and normalize it and it was great great conversation starter it because is, and in I'm, that moment they're all in the same yeah. there with adopting their safety behaviors it's you funny. used that very same tool when mm. we were presenting together did, to yeah. a bunch of parents mm. they're writing they get one of you to stand up and you can see immediately <laughs> i know it's so sort of... it's brilliant it's so so effective really is yeah. well it just brings to mind i mean we all know what anxiety feels like don't we but it does bring to mind in that present moment, actually, that's how big it feels. Going back to something you said earlier about fear, that mm. we're, um, we're, we can be quite negatively predisposed. Mm. You know, you might bump into someone that you know and they give you a bit of short shrift and you're thinking, oh, what have I done? What should I say? Is it mm. something I put on Facebook? Is it? Mm. Oh, can I even remember how many apps <laughs> I've put something on this week and what could it be? Yeah. But we are quite sort of predisposed, aren't we, to thinking, yeah. what have I done? Where have I yeah. gone? So I, I would say our mind is sort of, yeah, predisposed to, to be that way. So, again, going back to psychoeducation, understanding that our mind has a tendency to think negatively because it's keeping us safe. You know, it's all about our mind keeping us safe. Um, it will look for the, the negative before the positive. So, again, going back to what I was saying earlier about having a better relationship with our thoughts is knowing that our mind has a tendency to think the negative sort of mm. way rather than you know like you say you're not thinking oh you know um they must have a lot on their mind yes, or i have to give them a ring later day. yeah and so yeah, yeah yeah but then again there is something healthy about self-checking mm. isn't there if somebody is a bit off with you to think yeah oh, okay mm. is there something i might have said yeah. i mean we need to be mm sensitive don't we at the mm. same time I suppose all I'm really trying to say is that it's rec- it's just helpful to know that our mind will tend to think towards the negative over the the, the good positive side of things and yes. but you're right you know you that they you might have upset them <laughs> so you might <laughs> so you might you might have to question you know what, what... in lockdown mm. you've been using zoom more mm. than being present with people mm. do you think people are more open um or less what's been interesting for me is the ones where I already have a, a counselling relationship with them and we've sort of carried on, on on Zoom they have opened up a bit more because they're at home and they're in their home environment so maybe some of the things that they bring to the counselling room are things that are going on in school with their friendships it's more about what's going on at home in the sort of family dynamics of things because it, yeah, because the context mm. is changing they're in it in that moment and you know so that's been interesting it's quite bizarre isn't it i mean i've got clients i've never met mm. now <laughs> but at the same time i was thinking i wonder if for that person for whom counseling has a stigma attached to it mm-hmm. would it be easier for them to pick up a zoom with mm. you than to actually 
get in a car, drive to a counselling yeah. room, have to go into an unfamiliar place, might it sort of take away yeah. some of the barriers? Yes, I do think it can take away some of those barriers. And because actually, if you've got somebody who is socially anxious, mm. the thought even of getting in the car and finding the place they need to go and parking and not being late and all of that stress mm. has kind of come into it. But actually, for those clients in particular this could be brilliant for them because all of that's taken away from them and they're in their own home and they have more of the control that they might feel they need in that moment and then the work can begin. And I know that you do work with adults but Mm. you have chosen to work mainly with young people. Mm. Why is that? What I love working with most is anxiety and panic and sort of empowering those sort of young people Mm. and it's kind of there's just that window of opportunity with them I think to really the psychoeducation and helping getting them on board with it because actually the longer it goes on in life the harder it becomes to actually you know you just get set in your ways don't you and it just becomes the normal whereas actually I think that they're at that age where you know the change is is really possible yeah I just suppose as you know as you do when you when you go through your your career you you just find your your niche your thing and for whatever reason this is my this is what I love and this is my thing but I you know I do quite like having the adults as well it's nice to think you have a part in their journey I suppose in their into adulthood as well you're really helping them to understand their mind and the way the the brain works and how the mind Mm. thinks so this brings us to my last question a question I always ask people who come on the podcast what's a courageous thing that you've done as a mum as a mum I think I'd have to say ask for help Great. Probably, Tell me about that. Um, I think because, you know, when you first have a new baby and it's, you know, so daunting and unexpected and um, and you feel like, you know, you should know what you're doing and be, be brave and, and actually, you know, those go back to all those early days and actually really finding it really hard and new and different and but not feeling like I could ask for help because of that feeling of, you know, or well, people are going to think that I'm not good enough. Or, mm. And um, other people look like they've got it sussed. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I think the bravest thing is actually asking for help. And, you know, and, and I think as life goes on, it's a really good thing to be able to do because there's so many times where we just need we just need help. We know we have to realise we just can't do it all on our own sometimes. My stepson came to live with us when he was 14 and I just had a baby at this point. So I'd had this new baby and then a teenager arrived in my house that I didn't actually know very well because he moved down from Scotland and I didn't know a single person, single friend that had a teenager. Of course, <laughs> so, yes. so it was a re- it was a really, really tough time. You know, and again just sort of asking, reaching out and asking for support and for help. Mm. And um so yeah, I think asking for help as a parent it is a really courageous thing That's to do. That's a great answer. I love that. It is brave to ask for help. I'm so grateful for Caroline. Her insights from the counselling room over the years have helped me to gain that fuller understanding of what's facing today's child and today's teenager and what a lot they have on their plate and how they need our listening ears and our encouragement. Caroline has also written a guest blog on my website this week just to go with this week's podcast to give you a little bit more on anxiety in young people. So do pop across to thecourageousmama.com and read her insights. Thank you for joining me today. I love journeying with you and I hope that The Courageous Mama leaves you feeling empowered and equipped to be the best parent you can be today. Not perfect, but encouraged. 
It's such a privilege to walk it together. I hope you found our conversation helpful. If so, do pop it to a friend and let me know what your biggest parenting issue is at the moment. I'm going to gather a few of those and address them on the podcast. Have a great day. See you next week.